0: Alrighty there, folks, and welcome to the Chronicle Podcast channel. This is episode 31, Birth of the Three Kingdoms Period, Part 1. Now, you may have already realised that I'm going way over just one episode for the Three Kingdoms period. And it wasn't on purpose, it's just, you know, uh, other people wanted to speak to me about the Three Kingdoms and... I thought I might as well just go full romance mode with it and just, you know, take it from there. So, in today's episode, I will be focusing a lot more on court politics and how that allowed the Eastern Han Dynasty to collapse, thus giving birth to the Three Kingdoms period. There are a few names you need to keep an eye on, for example, Emperor Lin, uh, Concubine or Empress Dowager He, He Jin, Dong Zhuo, and Yuan Shao. There is another prominent figure amongst all of this, his name is Tao Tao. But I have spent the last three weeks uploading episodes where I discuss nothing but Tao Tao with Mark from the Warlords of History podcast, so I will do my best to avoid speaking about Tao Tao in this episode. And speaking of the Warlords of History podcast, be sure to check out Mark's website at www.warlordsofhistory.com. Now say it one more time www.warlordsofhistory.com If you liked the episodes I discussed with Mark and want to see more of his content, then that's where you should go. And of course, if you liked the chat that I had with Mark and you want to feature on the show, or you know somebody who would like to feature on the show, then feel free to reach out to uh, to me at thechroniclerhistory at gmail.com. And of course, if you are listening to the show on Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave a review, please. It does help the show grow. And of course, I am on YouTube as well now, so head over to search for The Chronicler Podcast and you will find my YouTube channel. And be sure to like and click that bell button when you get the chance. So the last time it was just me speaking on the show, I got to the Yellow Turban Rebellion, or Huang Jin as it is also known. Now you think what would happen after a massive rebellion like this is that it's a good time to reform, but the Eastern Han Emperor of the time, Emperor Lin, did no such thing. Emperor Lin, the Imperial Family, the Eunuchs, and the scholars of the Han court were all too focused on a bitter power struggle to control the Empire, and this will be the focus of today's episode. What also didn't help was the reliance Of local warlords to deal with the rebellion, thus minimising the power of the central authority within the Empire. So the year was 185 and the Han officials have just heard about the last of the Zhang brothers finally getting killed in battle. Hooray! Time to celebrate! But the problem was nobody did really celebrate. Instead they all focused on what they did before the rebellion, which was scheming against others within the Imperial Court. Emperor Lin's court was basically split by two factions, the eunuchs and the scholars. At this moment in time, it was the eunuchs who fared better than the scholars, and they controlled the levers of government. Of course, the scholars, with people such as He Jin and Yuan Shao pushing their cause, they were, you know, pretty peeved off that the eunuchs were holding positions of political power, considering that, you know, they weren't supposed to. The top 10 eunuchs, or 10 attendants, could get the information to the emperor first and even forged decrees in the name of the emperor, which did happen by the way. It got so bad that even if the scholars proposed a policy, a pretty decent policy within court, the eunuchs would disagree with it simply because they didn't think of it first, and vice versa. An example would be when there was a famine due to the Yellow River flooding again, and a scholar named Lu Zhu proposed to the imperial government to send aid to those affected by the flood. A pretty reasonable proposal, I would think. But one of the ten attendants, a man named Zhang Rang, disagreed with the proposal, stating that the imperial government couldn't afford to send aid to those people, and on and on it went. I find that quite ironic, considering the amount of wealth The eunuchs had accumulated over the past, like, 20 years or something. But, you know, there's only so much I could say. (sighs) To be fair to Emperor Ling, though, he may have favoured the eunuchs, but he did do a pretty decent job in trying to compromise between the two factions within his court. I mean, at the end of the day, he did inherit this position where this divide was already pretty clear. But then, of course... There was only so long that this could go on for. Both sides making some sort of a compromise, I mean, eventually we'd come to a head. And it did come to a head in the year 189 with the death of Emperor Lin. Now, here lies another problem. Emperor Lin had a split imperial court, but he also had competing concubines within his harem as well. The two candidates that Emperor Lin had to choose from for the throne were Liu Bien, Liu Xia. Liu Bien was supposed to be the best choice as he was the eldest, but Emperor Lin personally preferred Liu Xia as he seemed to be better able to run the country over Liu Bien. Now we have another problem. The Emperor wants to favor a younger son, but what do his wife thinks? His mother, the Empress Dowager Dong, actually preferred Liu Xia as she agreed with the Emperor. Liu Xia seemed to be more talented than Liu Bien overall. But of course, what about Liu Bien's mother, Lady Hua? Of course she wasn't happy with the way things were going, and pleaded with the Emperor to make Liu Bien the heir. Now, this beef background may have you thinking that Emperor Ling was an indecisive fool, but actually he wasn't. You see, when there was a succession crisis like this with a divided court, people began to pick sides really fast. Emperor Lin personally favoured Liu Xia, like I mentioned earlier, but Empress Hua's family had all reached high positions of power. For example, her half-brother Hua he Jin was now one of the top dogs amongst the scholars, so it only makes sense to please the scholars in Hua Jin, otherwise there would be chaos to follow. Before going on though, I do want to talk a little bit about Lady or Empress Hua. As I found an interesting story about her. By all accounts, Empress Hua was a really beautiful woman, hence why she was picked by Emperor Lin as a consort. But she was also extremely jealous. So jealous, in fact, that when another concubine became pregnant and had a son, Empress Hua allegedly poisoned that poor old woman, or poor young woman, I should say, and the baby. Emperor Lin was furious when he found out about this and wanted to exile Lady Hua, but it was the eunuchs who spoke up for Lady Hua's case and she was pardoned. Also, in order for her own son to not meet the same fate, Lady Hua sent him away from the Imperial court for a while to be educated and then brought back to the court when he could defend himself a little bit better, I guess. As well as that, apparently. When Emperor Lin was on his deathbed, Concubine Hua pleaded for her son to be installed as heir rather than comforting the guy who was supposed to be her husband and, you know, just let him die. Regardless, Empress Hua, backed by powerful eunuchs and her brother Hua he Jin, got her wish and her son was installed on the throne on the 15th of May 189 AD as Emperor Shao, or in Chinese, Han Shao Di. Consort Hua was now Empress Dowager Hua. But just remember this the eunuchs did Empress Hua a solid there, and she didn't forget that. So, when the inevitable happened, where rivalries soon broke out over between the scholars and the eunuchs once again, Empress Hua favoured the eunuchs over her half brother Hua Jin. I will try my best to break this down as simply as possible, so here it goes. The former Empress Dowager Dong and Liu Xia were kept in the Imperial Palace but were basically under house arrest. The Empress Dowager favoured the eunuchs and the Emperor himself, Emperor Shao, actually favoured his uncle, He Jin, backed by Yuan Shao and the Scholar faction. So of course we could already see dividing lines happening as soon as there's a new Emperor on the throne. It all came to a head when Yuan Shao spoke to He Jin. Suggesting that Huijin kills all of the eunuchs. Now, of course, it wasn't going to be as easy as killing a few yellow turbans. The eunuchs did have some serious power, not to mention the support of the Empress Dowager Hua. So they couldn't exactly be upfront about it, they needed legitimacy. Huijin loved the idea, so he went over to Empress Dowager Hua for a private chat and petitioned her to kill all of the eunuchs within the palace. He said something along the lines of, Sister, I implore you to kill the ten attendants. They are the real people behind the throne who control the empire. It is against the will of heaven. I hope you can let me deal with them. Of course, by deal with them, he meant kill them. And by the way, that is not a quote from Hila I just kind of made it up because, you know, it was a private chat. So there isn't so much a record about it, apart from what other people said. Now by all accounts, in this private chat to his sister, someone overheard the conversation and told the eunuchs about Hu Jin's plot. What made matters worse was that Empress Hu refused to listen to Hu Jin. As a solution, He Jin then asked for advice from both Yuan Shao and Cao Cao. Yuan Shao suggested the following. In English, what this basically meant was that Yuan Shao wanted to invite the other warlords of the empire to come to Luoyang in order to convince Empress Hu that the eunuchs had to go. And by convince, of course, I mean threaten. And who knows, maybe the warlords could do the deed for He Jin, keeping his hands clean. Tao Tao was actually against the idea, saying that it would bring even more chaos to the capital. But Hu Jin listened to Yuan Shao and he liked the idea. So he sent letters to warlords such as Liu Bei, even though he was quite small, but he was still a member of the imperial family. Uh, another man named Lu Jun, Ding Yuan, and Dong Zhuo. Dong Zhuo from the northwest seen the letter and immediately set out to Luoyang. He knew what the score was, whereas the other warlords kind of got bogged down in with minor rebellions taking place as they traveled to the capital. He Jin, the idiot who listened to the other idiot, Yuan Shao, realized he had made a blunder. By inviting all of these warlords to the capital, it was basically inviting someone to usurp power through the force of arms. Dong Zhuo, in particular, was one to be especially careful of, as he had the largest power base in the northwest, not to mention the best cavalry, if anybody was interested in that. Jin then sent letters to tell Dong Zhuo to stop, but the latter ignored Jin’s pleas and kept on marching. You know, he just said, oh, I didn't get the letter, what are you talking about? Like, that's no big deal. <laughs> However, he eventually did stop at the outskirts of Luoyang when another warlord arrived on the scene, a man named Ding Yuan, who could then check Dong Zhuo's power. As for Huo Jin, he would meet his fate at around this time in September 189. There are two accounts as to what happened to him next, and I will outline them here for you. The first is that He Jin was delighted to see Dong finally stopped and he rushed into the Imperial Palace to report this to his half-sister, Empress Dowager He, who was also uneasy with the speed in which Dong was advancing his army. However, the eunuchs saw He Jin and they thought, well, here he is, unarmed, without a bodyguard. Let's go and kill him. And they butchered him, cut off his head, and threw it over the walls of the Imperial Palace. That's the first account. The second account is a little more devious on the eunuchs' part, and this seems to be the more commonly accepted information as to what actually happened to Hua when he met his fate. As it goes, the eunuchs, who were basically cornered at this stage, were all ears for any plan to get rid of Hua Jin. Zhang Ran, the top eunuch, came up with a rather simple ploy, to be honest. He petitioned Empress Dowager Hua to summon Hua Jin to her palace to discuss the business of the eunuchs in order to reach a compromise. So Zhang Ran actually approached the Empress and said, look, how about we talk to Hua Jin and try and figure something out. We're trying to do it peacefully. Now, of course, Empress Dowager Hua thought, well, that's actually a good idea. What, they, what she didn't know, though, was that He Jin was never going to make it to her. So, given, uh, getting the letter, He Jin couldn't exactly ignore a summon from the Empress Dowager. So off he went to the palace, completely alone and unarmed, expecting to see his sister. But of course, he never made it to the Empress. Because as soon as he was within the Imperial Palace walls and the gates were shut... The eunuchs sprang out from their positions and butchered Hulajin, cut off his head, then flung it over the walls. Before Jin went into the palace, both Yuan Shao and Tao Tao strongly advised Jin to take some bodyguards in with him. But he refused, which again was extremely foolish on Jin's part. But I did read something as to maybe why he didn't go in with any bodyguards. Uh, for example, Yuan Shu was apparently in the Imperial Palace at this time as well, who had his own bodyguards. So maybe he Jin was thinking that Yuan Shu would escort him to his half-sister. But of course, it does seem that he Jin was rather arrogant and believed the eunuchs wouldn't do anything to him. So, you know, take it as you take it. Take it the way you want to see it. <laughs> you could call Hujin Jin an idiot, or you can call Yuan Shu an idiot as well. Although, from that source, I did read, it did say that Yuan Shu actually did this on purpose. Because he wanted chaos. And then that way, from the chaos, he could build his own dynasty. Which, when you look at Yuan Shu's character, it seems plausible. So, once Hujin's he Jin's head came flying over the palace walls, Yuan Shao... His half-brother Yuan Shu, Tao Tao, as well as other officials, stormed the Imperial Palace and killed every eunuch they could find. It was a total slaughter. Every eunuch that was in there was killed. Some eunuchs tried to take the clothes of Imperial consorts, who were women, and then tried to pass as women. But catching wise to the act, all men and women had to strip to prove that they weren't eunuchs. The entire Imperial Palace became a killing zone, And soon, the whole place went ablaze. This caused even more chaos, and the fire could have spread to the rest of Luoyang. And that's when even the people of the capital began to riot in protest of just what the hell was going on within the capital at this time. It's also worth noting that Yuan Shao's personal tally, or like personal bodyguards tally, of killed eunuchs was over 2,000. And the Imperial Seal, you know, that big huge block of jade, that shows imperial authority, that gives emperors the mandate of heaven, that also got lost in all of this chaos. Many more eunuchs died in the hands of Yuan Shu and Tao Tao as well, bear that in mind. But you know the eunuchs who didn't die? The majority of the ten attendants, a confused Empress Dowager Hu, as well as two frightened young boys, Emperor Shao and his half-brother Liu Xia. The small group may have been able to get away from the chaos within the Imperial Palace, but they soon fell into the hands of Dong Zhuo, who kindly escorted everyone back to the capital. Apparently, when Dong Zhuo asked Emperor Shao what happened, he didn't say anything as he was too afraid to talk. But Liu Xie actually spoke to Dong Zhuo and laid out what happened in a lot of detail. Impressed by the young boy, Dong Zhuo made up his mind that Liu Xia should be enthroned rather than Liu Bien or Emperor Shao. Upon entering the capital, Dong Zhuo and everyone else soon came to realise that it was Dong Zhuo who held all of the power now and, uh, (coughs) saved the imperial family and his soldiers brought stability to a capital that was in total chaos. The stability, however, would be swapped for a reign of terror within the capital as Dong Zhuo would act just in almost every cruel way imaginable. However, all of the gruesome stories in regards to Dong Zhoua will have to wait until next time, I'm afraid. I must admit, when I said I would cover the Three Kingdoms period in one episode, I must have been lying to myself, because that just isn't going to happen. As I haven't even got to the Three Kingdoms being close to being established yet, And, of course, uh, I need to mention this now, I had an amazing chat with Jong Ju about Romance of the Three Kingdoms as a novel, which characters within the novel got a boosted reputation alongside those who didn't. He has actually done a podcast going through the entire novel, Romance of the Three Kingdoms, chapter by chapter. So feel free to check it out on his website, www.threekingdomspodcast.com with the number 3. I'll say it again www.threekindomspodcast.com with the number three. John is actually doing another project right now, another famous Chinese novel called Shuihu or The Water Margin, which is all about bandits and, uh, uh, you know, breaking the law and all these things in the middle of the Song Dynasty. So feel free to check that out once you've checked out the Three Kingdoms podcast. But I will publish that discussion with John after I get through this extremely confusing, yet fascinating period in history. So I will leave you there, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. And until next time, thanks for listening.